0: Hey, Ryan here. Does your company have a commercial or industrial IoT project coming down the pipe? Reach out to Vary and let our world-class specialists in hardware, software, data science, and design bring it to life.
1: You want to uncover all of your faults and all of your weaknesses early on before you are out there in the market and suddenly trying to scramble with a piece of hardware that maybe wasn't fully thought through.
0: You're listening to Over the Air, IoT Connected Devices and the Journey, brought to you by Vary. In each episode, we have sharp, unfiltered conversations with executives about their IoT journeys, the mistakes they made, the lessons they learned, and what they wish they'd known when they started. Welcome to Over the Air, IoT Connected Devices and the Journey, Episode 1. Today, we're going to be talking with my very good friend, Keith Nothaker, CEO of Backtrack. Keith, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Ryan.
0: So, Keith, for those that are not familiar with Backtrack, tell us a little bit about
1: your company and what you guys do. We make breath alcohol testers for personal and professional use, along with apps for them. Uh, And now we are working on a very special transdermal alcohol detector, a wearable alcohol detector. So within the area of alcohol testing, we do it a lot of different ways. Transdermal.
0: All right. So don't, let's not assume that everyone out there has a PhD. What does transdermal
1: mean? Transdermal. You know, when you consume alcohol, people are used to maybe blowing into a breathalyzer if they've ever heard of one before or maybe seen one or, you know, maybe you know that law enforcement uses it. Uh, we're measuring the alcohol that's, that's coming out of your deep lung air. But with a transdermal device, a very small amount of alcohol comes out through your skin. Uh, in your sweat. And so we created a biosensor that actually picks up uh, that signal. And uh, we are working to estimate your blood alcohol content based on that biosensor's readings.
0: Have you observed in some of the early research, like, are there groups of people that emit that through their skin radically different than other groups like male versus female, different ethnic groups. Like uh, what what differences have you guys
1: observed that might surprise somebody? Yeah, You know, it's very early overall. We've been working on the hardware and the software and we're working on algorithms now. So it's early, there are not radical differences person-to-person. There's certainly some, say, based on gender and other factors and other things that might be baked into our special sauce as we try to have our proprietary algorithm. But yeah, for the most part, relatively consistent and similar to, to breath alcohol testing. That's how law enforcement can use that as a standard, because there is this biology that is similar person-to-person. Person. So you founded this company
0: in two thousand, early 2000s, 2000, 2004, 2005?
1: Uh, Am I about right? You know what? That's probably when we started doing something real. The legal truth is the company was incorporated in 2001. So uh, I started this when I knew nothing, had no skills, and was was in college my senior year and just thought it was crazy that, that police could have a device. They could test you, but consumers had no way of, of having their own alcohol detector.
0: For folks out there listening to this and they're saying, OK, I've been tasked with developing a connected device or I'm, you know, I'm running a connected device company, IoT company. Talk about the path from scrappy startup in 01, you know, dorm room. Now you're this big, bad, polished hardware company. You guys are the, the 800 pound gorilla in your space. Well, like, what, what did that path look like for you
1: guys? Yeah, first, uh, you know, I hate to be a a troubling guest, but I disagree with the polished uh, description of us. You know, (laughs) you you can grow, you can be big, but you never feel like you're doing everything perfectly. You know, even the big companies, the apples of the world, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So for us, we took a somewhat atypical path in the Bay Area. You know, our office is downtown San Francisco. We never raised outside capital. So our capital came from our customers. Our customers had to buy our products. We had to have a a positive gross margin and we we were able to reinvest that back into R&D. So we had this great path in the early days and even now where we sort of had to put out products that people wanted to buy. And that was market research for us. That was sort of saying, hey, is this something here? Do people want to measure their alcohol level? I remember being at one of the first consumer electronic shows that we exhibited at, and people would laugh. They'd say, who would ever want to measure that? And then, you know guys like Fitbit came along and people want to measure their steps. And now, you know, you can measure heart rate with so many things. There's been this evolution in terms of people's acceptingness and willingness to measure their own biological signals. So, you know, early on, we were learning, we were, we were investing in it and it took a long time to identify various markets, build out the hardware and the software and really grow to where we, where we are today.
0: When you think about, things that you wish you like i imagine you must when you meet with other tech executives or especially other founders would you say it's fair that to say that 499 out of 500 have raised capital like do you do you find that you are an extreme outlier amongst founders that have, have not raised capital
1: i do i do i think especially with hardware hardware just costs a lot of money so yes that is pretty rare
0: when you look back at your journey, do you feel – I mean now we're getting way off topic. I'm going to bring us back, but I'm, I'm genuinely curious. When you look back at your journey, do you ever feel like, man, I at this inflection point or this inflection point, maybe that would have been a time to raise capital that might have – or are you looking back and you're like, I'm glad we never did that?
1: You know, it's interesting. I know this one path, Ryan, and it's been scrappy and bootstrapping and depending on your customers to grow and and make money. And so that's my whole world. And so I'm probably biased from that, but that has forced us to focus on the true customer need and to focus on, hey, before we build this, before we cut steel at a manufacturing facility, like are we really certain about this? So, so I think it's really forced us to really uncover customer needs early in the process. And I think for hardware design and IOT design, that, that's just critical. I mean, there's certainly uh, the market, you know, you can see products that didn't think through that early. Maybe they raised a bunch of capital uh, and you go build it and you got guys like Juicero or other, you know, companies like that make a huge splash and then whoops, you know, the pricing was way off or the product was was way off. So I think for us, there, there's not a time where I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, we missed that opportunity. Well, we have some amazing opportunities right now and we're throwing a lot of resources into them and we're excited by what we're doing
0: what do you think for for other companies that are you mentioned hardware is hard hardware is expensive there's a lot of gut check moments in hardware development we we see this at at our company all the time where it's like don't get this wrong you know it's not like software where you know you can you can back out of a bad decision easily for companies out there developing a hardware device, developing a connected device, what, what are some things that you would implore them to be thinking about um, in some of the early stages? So they're, they, they've got a concept, you know, maybe they're an existing company looking to embed some intelligence in a existing hardware product. Maybe it's a new product. Uh, maybe it's their only product. What, what are some things or a thing that you're like, listen, whatever you do, this is something you absolutely need to be focused on.
1: Whenever we have prototyped early and prototyped aggressively and made you know, I, I call them horrible samples, but at least it's something that you can wear or blow through, or just get a get a sense for what you're trying to go for. We have never regretted that. You know, maybe a decade ago or 15 years ago when we started doing some manufacturing, it was expensive. You know, you didn't have these 3D printers where you could just crank out designs and and see the look and feel. And so, you know, it was expensive. You know, we paid two or three thousand dollars for one sample of like plastic, painted plastic, but it was always the right decision to see that because you just have this path that you get locked into with hardware. And you want to uncover all of your faults and all of your weaknesses early on before you are out there in the market and suddenly trying to scramble with a a piece of hardware that maybe wasn't fully thought through. So for us now and and advice to other companies, it's try to prototype because there are so many prototyping tools now that are available more more than ever before in the history of the world, from the electronic side to the plastic side, mechanical. I I think that's critical. And and it's just it's fun now. You know, for our wearable, we we have a sleek, small device now that we're excited about, excited to launch into the marketplace. but we had you know big chunky things and I was wired to a laptop when I was wearing a, a wearable device, you know that like that was harder but still that was important to do during that process. So, so the question I want to ask is
0: like why do you think that's something that maybe others aren't doing but my but I what I really want to ask is, do you think there's a credible reason why not? Are are is are people trying to get to the market so quickly that maybe they don't always have time to be as thorough or or do you think that this is a first principle there's no reason why a, a company should not be pursuing that path. Is this something that everyone should be doing?
1: Yeah, I, I'm very fortunate. My three and a half year old and my wife both like <laughs> tell me all of my faults you know, in a loving way. So I'm used, to, I'm used to embracing imperfection. So I think it's just, we're very comfortable knowing that, hey, th- we might think we're smart, We're not smart and we're smart when we have something out for five years and it's selling and it's working well. So I think that embracing the fact that you might think you're smart, but you're not, is really important early on in the process. I'm speculating, but maybe there are companies that, you know, get validation by raising $30 million and they're like, hey, we got this and they haven't tested it at all. They have no idea if this idea is going to hit it. And so I think, again, in our DNA, we've had to embrace that and be really careful along the way. A because we had limited dollars but B just we wanted to do it the right way and try to understand what was going to work before we cut steel before we designed an app before we got it out to market
0: thinking about the how piece of this for companies embarking on a journey like yours again not not necessarily tech startups you know you've got a maybe a mid-level company doing 200 million dollars they're looking to to embed in fact let's focus on that example and I know that example is not backtrack but a company that has physical products that they make, and they're looking at a company like yours and they're saying, look, it's very obviously the path that you, you need to take what are dumb products and make them, you know, quote unquote, smart products. What does that how look like? Do you think, I mean, you talked about like some of this user testing, but like if you were sitting next to somebody on an airplane, he's an executive at one of these companies and he's saying, I don't even know where to begin. What do you think that looks like for somebody like that? you know through the lens of what the experience backtrack has had
1: i i think you just have to put yourself in the future what what are you trying to accomplish where do you want to be in 10 years and work backwards from there i think when it became easier to make apps in the early the early days call it you know 2013 everybody was connecting everything to an app and all of a sudden you have an app but what's best for the user what use case are you trying to solve what new capabilities do you have with a smartphone connection that you didn't have before when you were just a dumb product. I'm sometimes embarrassed to admit, but Ryan, you're such a stand-up guy. I'll I'll admit it to you right here that when we were talking about making some of our first apps, um, I'm like, you know what? People get a, they get a blood alcohol content value from our breathalyzer. It shows it on the screen of the breathalyzer of the backtrack. Like, do we really need a smartphone app? And so once we sat down and thought through, well, we, we can leverage all the additional sensors in a smartphone, we can leverage a large screen in the smartphone, we can display things on that. And everybody has a smartphone now. And we don't have to pay for an expensive screen, we'll just have people use their own screen. Once you think about the advantages, and how you can use them, I think that helps define the roadmap for what you're trying to build, not just, hey, everybody says IoT is cool. And we need to we need to take our dumb stuff and make it smart. No, like what is going to add value? What can you charge more for? And what do people actually want?
0: Yeah, it seems like from the vantage point, of course, you know, we we work with a lot of companies that are trying to embed intelligence in in what have historically been dumb devices. And it seems like no space is struggling more than the kitchen and bath space. And you look at some of the like smart kitchen appliances that are coming out I don't know. I, I don't want to insult people out there that are working on these projects, but you get a sense that it's technology for technology's sake and that the value isn't there. That these are not things that customers have said, "This is extremely important to me." Do you do you see that a lot when you're looking out at the landscape of of companies doing that? And how does Backtrack think about what could be done versus what should be done? Because it's it's valuable for the customer. This is going to be something that's really going to drive sales and drive value.
1: Yeah, you know, there are products that you look at and say, hey, this doesn't make sense to me. Maybe there's a kitchen product or a scale that's digitally connected. You're like, hey, I'm not seeing the value here. For those specific companies, you know, your 1.0 product is never your best product, but if you're getting stuff out the door and it works and people are relatively happy, th- that's a big step forward. I I actually save screenshots on my phone of like the original mm-hmm. Apple computer, some of the original famous products in the world, and they're 1.0. It's embarrassing looking, but you know, it, it gets the ball moving. So on one hand, I'm saying, hey, prototype and do it perfect and think about the customer need. And you really, really want to try to do that. On the other hand, you can't have analysis paralysis where you're just trying to make everything perfect and in a world of limited budgets and things changing so quickly, uh, you do need you need to ship, whether it's software or hardware, you need to ship. You want to make it as great as you can. You wanna make sure it's safe. You wanna make sure it's right for your users. But uh, I think it is important to, to get it out the door. So you
0: mentioned you know embarrassing V1s. I have to ask, Backtrack has gotten a lot of things right. What can you tell us about some terrible ideas that Backtrack has had? You look back and you say, that was just terrible. (laughs) You know, no company bats a thousand. You mentioned Apple. Apple went like a decade with no good ideas, only bad ideas. (laughs) What are are some things out there that you look back and you say,
1: we did not get that one right? Yeah, we've been around for a while. So like all these things pop into my head, like good things and bad things and, and some fun things. You know, the first thing that pops in, maybe not. A horrible idea, but just interesting. We took a sensor and a breath pipe design that we had for an early breathalyzer. And this is 10, 15 years ago when iPods were prevalent. Everybody had an iPod in their pocket listening to music. And we actually took our breath pipe and designed it using Apple's uh, made for iPod program so that you could plug it in and blow into this little connection and you could see your BAC result on the iPod screen. We thought it was cool. And, we, and we're like, wow, we're leveraging this connectivity and maybe it would incentivize use. We prototyped. We did, I think, a lot of things we're talking about here. And then it actually got high enough up in Apple and they said, you know what? We didn't design this product for other hardware pieces to plug in. It was, we were a little before our time there. So Apple essentially pulled the rug out from under us there on that project. But at least we were like in our core competency there. I'd say also there was a time When we were first getting into retail stores, you know, it was exciting and backtracks getting into 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 retail stores. Now we're in Walgreens and CVS and Best Buy. But in the early days, we did a program and it sold really successfully in an office store, like an Office Max. And then the next season, they said, "Wow, you know people actually bought this stuff. Like can you give us more digital health devices?" So we went out at the time and we created our own small little sub brand and sourced some like pedometers and thermometers and sort of health devices, steered off course from what we knew, threw it all in this big like corrugate display for for a retail store and a thousand stores and and it didn't do great it di- It didn't do well the next year, and looking back now, it's like what were we thinking? Like, that's that's not who we are. But at the time, we thought we were taking advantage of a trend and getting into retail. So, you know, just just lots of ups and downs throughout the years.
0: And, and so for those who, who are not super familiar with your brand, you guys are in a lot of retail locations. You know, like, so somebody might be able to find your product. In, what are a few? Weren't you guys in Costco? Or am I misremembering that?
1: Yeah, we, we've been in Costco. We are in CVS and Walgreens, Rite Aid, Best Buy. Yeah, we, we have placement in a number of retail stores and obviously COVID hit and, and, you know, that impacts foot traffic there. And then obviously us having online distribution, having like multi-channel distribution saves the day. You spend all your time designing and manufacturing. And then once you have it, that's the important part, having a smart distribution strategy of what you've built.
0: Right. And, and I'm sure that you guys spent a lot of time thinking about a pandemic strategy, right? Like everybody else.
1: <laughs> That's not in your playbook Ryan. <laughs> well,
0: you know, we're a totally remote company. And when, when I uh, took over this company as CEO in 2017, that was one of the first things I did. And absolutely was not for pandemic reasons. You know, it was it was just because it seemed like it made practical sense, but it's, it's certainly aged well. But so my I have a question. But the last question. Um, I really appreciate your time today. So very few things bring a smile to people's face like alcohol and the concept of alcohol. And you make a, a device that interfaces with uh, alcohol. People drinking and testing. And I, I remember when you first gave me a device. We were actually sitting at a pub in San Francisco. And you know, I felt compelled to sort of accelerate the consumption of my pint of beer, so I, I could see on the app how things were tracking over time. What can you tell the users about life at a company that is at the intersection point of you know smart devices and, and alcohol? Is that do you find that you get a lot of smiles when you tell people what you do, and they they feel compelled to? You know maybe take a shot of fireball and see what that does
1: yeah you know it's interesting yes we have many interesting stories yes beers that we have to drink at work to test our products are tax deductible and tax deductible beers always taste the best but you know with with alcohol I describe it as just this very wide spectrum. So there are people that can drink socially and have a great time and that adds to their night out. And then there are people that have alcohol use disorder. And that's that's a very serious thing. And you know, DUI deaths and, and alcohol-related fatalities, it's just horrible. We've spoken with so many people that have those types of stories. And so it's I'd say somewhat unique for us to be making products and services that touch people all along the spectrum. And as we've grown our connected devices, and we use smartphones, we can do uh, remote monitoring of people. If you want to check somebody else's alcohol level remotely to keep them help keep them safe, so that's been this amazing use case. Mm-hmm. And then Ryan, what you talked about originally, just people being out, we think it's fantastic and fun for people to like use devices and get to know like how alcohol affects their own body. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something that people should have. And so I, I'd say that I certainly enjoy what I do. And when you get into measuring uh, biology and health with an app and hardware, it's just it leads to some really interesting, groundbreaking stuff.
0: You mentioned looking backwards from 10 years. So it's 2021. Do you think that and cars seem to be getting smarter? I mean, Tesla is, you know, I think is pushing the industry forward. I did not say driving the industry forward because we're trying to avoid puns on the show. This is a pun free zone. Do you see a, an outcome, uh, I guess, on the spectrum of like this absolute should happen or this is a little bit, you know, this is too nanny state where, you know, if you're going to operate a, a motor vehicle, there's some kind of backtrack powered or other company powered biometric sensor that, that is able to, you know, this transpiration thing you were talking about. You just press your finger, maybe it's part of the ignition process, and it says, hey, you're two tenths of a, of a percent over the line, car doesn't start you know, or something like that. Do you see a future where this is baked into auto automotive technology?
1: I do there are people that have been working on this for multiple decades. That is definitely the future. if we are part of that fantastic if we're not part of it and and a huge chunk of our business dies because that exists, I would love that that'd be fantastic because the truth is there are still ten thousand people dying every year from alcohol related crashes on the roads in the United States. so I think this needs to happen. We want it to happen. technology is moving forward I think with automobiles and manufacturers. There's just so much there and liability and insurers. So uh, it's not surprising. It's taking so long to develop, but I absolutely believe that that should happen and that will happen.
0: All right. Elon Musk, if you're listening, this is the next big technology. I know the new Model S is coming out soon. Keith, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been great having you. I really appreciate you being guest number one on the Over the Air podcast. Everyone, Keith Nothaker, CEO of Backtrack. Keith, thanks a lot.
1: Thank you, Ryan, appreciate it. You shouldn't have to worry about IoT projects dragging on or unreliable vendors. You've got enough on your plate. The right team of engineers and project managers can change a pivotal moment for your business into your competitive edge. Very close-knit crew of ambitious problem solvers, continuous improvers, and curious builders Know how to turn your ideas into a reality, on time, and up to your standards. With a focus on mitigating risk and maximizing opportunity, we'll help you build an IoT solution that you can hang your hat on. Let's bring your IoT idea to life. Learn more at verypossible.com.
0: You've been listening to over-the-air IoT connected devices and The Journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player and give us a rating. Have a question or an idea for a future episode? Send it to podcast at verypossible.com. See you
1: next time.